Well, I'm Ronald Reagan, actor, governor, president of the United States, and kicker of communist. If I were alive today, I would endorse with the strength of a thousand tax breaks the lightest form of vlogging podcast with Jim and David. And, well, would hope that you would give it a listen, and if you like it, tell your friends about it. But I hope that you remember that the Flogging Podcast is not the solution to your problems. The Flogging Podcast is the problem. I do not recommend this show lightly, but if you want to learn how a Baptist and a Presbyterian can coexist, however frail and volatile their partnership may be, then I suggest you don't listen to this one, because the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm Jim and here's my co-host David. In fact, well, I urge you to tear down this show. Forget what I said earlier. This is a bad idea. Why am I here? Who are you? Get that microphone out of my face. Ah. Uh, uh, sorry, sir. Why are your bits always like this? Why is your face always like this? What? What? All right, David. Um, let's go ahead and do this show thingamajig. Episode 50, commemorative episode. The celebrations I hear are wild in the streets. Or not. Um, but we are going to uh, open our show with a famous game. That's right, folks, back by unpopular request, a game no one asked for ever. It's time for us to play Papist or Nah. Hey! I, your game host, will game give show host? <laughs> I, your game host, will give David 10 random people, places, or things, and he, on the fly, I might add, will have to decide if that person, place, or thing is, in fact, Papist or Nah. He will mm. be pressed for mm. his reasoning and rationalizations. The stakes, David. Could not be higher. Mm. The tension could be cut with a butter knife. It is time for Papist or Not. Let us begin. <clears throat> Are you ready? Is that more tension than like a regular knife? Yeah. Like as if it was more then you could cut it with a butter knife. If it was less, you couldn't cut it. With, you'd just be, you'd just be a guy with a butter knife in the middle of a cafe, just kind of right. wisping at the air. At the tension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be weird, right? We don't want that. No. I mean, I mean, we don't want weird. Yeah, That's we for don't. sure. So here we go. Uh, and uh, folks, I have not uh, given this list to David beforehand. This is, as they say, live. That's why the stakes could not be higher. So, there we go. <clears throat> uh, item number one. Is this papist or not? Long Island iced tea. <laughs> papist of or not? Of course it is. The only thing that's not papist is long. Long Island iced tea, iced tea. All right, here we go. Uh, thank you for that. Number two. The Samsung Fold. Papist or not? Did I get that right? The Samsung Fold? The new phone that might be the Galaxy Fold. I'm not sure. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Papist or not? Nah? Oh, boy. Um, it seems like unnes- unnecessary ornamentation. Mm. Um, All right, I like it. So I'm going to go with Papist. Okay. <laughs> I always suspected that. Number three, the Bible Man TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Papist or not? Nah? I've never seen it. So uh, because it comes out of evangelicalism, though, I'm going to assume Papist. Okay. <laughs> Oh, we're a lot, of, a lot of papism today. That's not my fault. <laughs> okay, right, right, right. Number four. You know, Jim, papist yes. gonna pay, pay, pay. That's, you know, you've always said that. Been saying that for years. I have. Number four. Jim and David's decision to release the show every two weeks. Papist or not? Nah? Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna go with nah. Your reasoning, sir. Well, because uh, it's good and. <laughs> <laughs> and how can that be papist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Perfect. And you don't need to add anything more to that. <laughs> Number five, hip replacement surgery. Papist or not? Nah? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Oh, this is a tricky one. I need a second. Hip replacement surgery. Papist or not? Nah? 
it's it's usually helpful just to think it out loud to work through that. All right. So my mind immediately goes to transubstantiation. Okay. As uh, as most would. Because, you know, you're replacing the body. Okay. I like it. Uh, okay, and good. so then the question comes, is the hip that's in your body that's replaced the part of your body that was your body, your body? If it mm-hmm. is, that's an argument for transubstantiation. Okay. If yeah. it is not, right. then it's not an argument for transubstantiation. I mean, if it is, it's not a good argument. Okay. But none of the arguments for transubstantiation are good. I'm going to go with papist. I like that. That was, that's beautiful. <laughs> Number six, the new $1,000 Apple monitor stand. Papist or not. Nah. Mm. Mm. I think the most important thing about the Protestant Reformation was that they took a stand. <laughs> so I'm going to go with nah. And it was very valuable. <laughs> a valuable, a sta- valuable stand. stand. <laughs> and expensive. Oh, this you, is you Anabaptists are not the only ones who died in this. I, yeah, perfect. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I will not uh, discount the sacrifices of the many for the few. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Spock. I was trying to do a Spock thing, but <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Number seven, the donut parade in Spokane, Washington. Mm. Papist or nah? Mm. I'm going to go with nah. Okay, your reasoning, sir. Because uh, I also... Yes. I can't say also. Because I generally hold to Martin Luther's theory of vocation. I think that the right. donut parade is good. Good. Uh, and that it's not any less than... Yeah. Uh, it's good to make donuts. In terms of glorifying God than, uh, good than to the eat. cloth. The, right, right. Mm. All right. Well, that's very satisfying. Number eight tractor pull events in Wisconsin papist or no oh man um let's see you ever been to one of those with tractor pull of course not okay <laughs> <laughs> just with, what what about our relationship dis- makes you think that I would go to one of those? the disdain was just like like just illustrated on your face like a majestic painting <laughs> Not that they'd only have them in Wisconsin, but I'm sure in some. Right, uh, I'm gonna find a. I'm gonna find a. Uh, over in Seattle, they have tractor pulls. <laughs> it's just that, a five-hour drive. That'd be funny. <laughs> what is, What are these people doing? Mm. It's where all the hill people come together mm-hmm. and like pull things with trucks mm-hmm. and pull tractors, and they do get this. The almost the main event of a tractor pull is uh, the contestants, right? Mm-hmm drive a car to the middle or the the stage and there's a whole bunch of people there watching mm-hmm. and they do a burnout contest and you <laughs> you you grade them on the amount of smoke the sound of the car how long it lasts and that's what the hill the hill people do in wisconsin at tractor pulls <laughs> the hill people yeah. is that anything like the sand people <laughs> almost <laughs> <laughs> so papist or not nah. Well, uh, tractors are supposed to push themselves. So if you're pulling a tractor, mm. you are adding to work that's already been done for you. Yeah. Very papist. I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> I have always had that feeling when I'm there <laughs> drinking a Miller Lite and going, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, Baptists who go to Dutch Reformed churches for fun, but base their liturgy on personal preference. <laughs> <laughs> papist. No. Hey, this is a serious game. Papist. Or not. That might be the funniest thing you've ever made fun of me for. <laughs> I'm going to go with not nah, because it's Dutch Reformed. I'm All sorry. Right. Yeah, you can't go there. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, Chick-fil-A's dipping sauce. Papist or not. Oh, it is so blessedly Protestant. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. did you hear? Um, guess what's coming to Spokane, my friend? Are you talking about the one in Gonzaga? No, not that one. Oh, there's another one now. That one folded. That's right. not Okay. Happening. I wanted to make sure that we yeah. weren't. There's another one coming? Yeah, at the Y. Uh, At the Y intersection. Folks, this is Spokane language here, but there's a famous intersection in Spokane that we refer to as the Y. So, yeah, Chick-fil-A. Is that Monroe? 
No, that's a division up by um, up north by like the Rite Aid, and there's a car dealership there, stuff like that. We might not move. When? Uh, yeah, it's when coming. Is it going in? Uh, I don't know. Um, the article I read, like like Chick Fil A, um, said that they weren't going to confirm or deny it, mm-hmm. but they're exploring the possibility of moving to Spokane mm-hmm. there. Okay, so, you don't have so to we're talking probably six months out at yeah, least. You, yeah, you don't, and I don't even know where they would build it because I don't think anything's for sale there. But right. um, you don't have to go to Moscow for your chicken sandwiches. No, I'm going to Colorado for my chicken sandwiches. Painfully, oh, there's a there's a Chick Fil A where you're going. At least there's one in DIA. Oh wow, and it's worth going through TSA. Isn't it just awful that like we make big life decisions partly based on whether or not there's a Chick Fil A? That's not a thing that I've done. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's a thing I would do. Well, David, thank you. Although I was actually, when Sarah and I went, we were in Seattle recently and I told her, I said, you know, if you were to die, Mm. I would probably move somewhere where there's this Chick-fil-A Yeah, and that's how I would eat. Right. (laughs) And that's like not unreasonable. It's not crazy expensive. It's healthier than hamburgers. Yeah. Like, why would I not do that? Yeah. Plus I'd need to move anyway, just because of how sad I would be. Right, right. I mean, this place. I mean, you have so many bad memories here. Right. The death of your wife, me, the show. <laughs> Not in that order, but yeah. Well, this went into a weird place. And uh, because of that, <laughs> I'm going to end this uh, rousing game of Papist Renaud. Thank you for playing, David. You did very well. Thank you for playing me. We all, we, <laughs> man, the Baptist of Dawn played me today. So we all learned uh, a lot of things about a variety of different subjects. And I feel it's time for us to start the show. What do you say? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. The podcast you are about to hear contains the histrionic and problematic conversations of a stodgy Presbyterian and a casserole-loving Baptist. Their interactions are volatile at times and unpleasant most of the time. In many nations, this is considered a mild form of torture. We strongly advise you to stop this nonsense and go do something useful with your life. Otherwise, if you insist on listening to this mess, welcome to the lightest form of flogging. As the deep voice man said, welcome to the lightest form of flogging. I'm your host, David McCookie, and sitting across the room from me at a contractually restored 29 and a half feet <laughs> is my co-host, the only Baptist I deserve, Jim Briggs. <laughs> oh, well done. I'm touched. Just don't ever do that again. <laughs> I agree. Uh, wow. Well, uh, we have quite a show today, David. Um, we have a follow-up section that I hear is pretty wild. Dink and flicker. Yeah. So... Maybe we should start with mine so that we kind of crescendo into the more fun stuff. I do crescendo well. How about let's say this first. This is our 50th episode. Wow. Whoa. Hey, show number 50. This is a milestone. I mean, 49, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Someday, I hope that we air the missing episode or or an excerpt from the Mm, missing episode. I mm -hmm. think people want, I think the people have a right to know what went on. In that missing episode. I have a right to know. Right. But I don't know if it's good for them. <laughs> well, has that ever stopped us before? No. Okay, let's jump into follow-up. I have a piece of follow-up. Remember last week I said I had a, I had a, an item of follow-up that I forgot? Mm-hmm. Well, I found it. It's for two episodes ago. I hope you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I said in discussion about... We were talking about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And you said that was like the first digitally uh, graded movie? Or what was it? Like digital film? Uh, digitally digital graded, film. yeah. You know what I mean. Okay, okay. And I said, hey, that was uh, photographed by Richard Deakins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A person I said was a famous director of photography that has done a lot of cool movies 
a lot of great photography as film photography goes. And he just always makes really pretty movies and uh, that he was like really influential. Obviously not influential enough because his name's Roger Deakins <laughs> and not not Richard Deakins. That's like, I mean, when I edit through the show, there are a number of Jim fails that I register in my mind and go, oh, that was kind of dumb. Uh, but like, that one put them in follow up. That, that one kind of hurt, you know? <laughs> it's just like, wow, I, that sound, I sounded really stupid. <laughs> you know? uh, but like, no one really cares that much because even you, a photography guy, didn't mm-hmm. really register much in reaction. I'm so bad when it comes to people and films. Yeah. Like I know yeah. that the bird person who would. did solo did, uh, did the DP for solo. Yeah. Also did arrival. Oh yeah. You, you I have no that. idea what his name is. Both pretty movies photography mm-hmm. wise. Uh, but Richard Deacons is just an old film guy that mm-hmm. has done a lot. I don't even know if he's still doing he's cause he was old when he did old brother where art thou. But anyways, we're, I don't want to get into geekery here. Just wanted to say, his name is Roger, not Richard. <laughs> Obviously, he's a very influential on me, and I'm an idiot. So now that we have that established, so my second thing of follow-up is, man, I hope this two-week thing works. Mm. You know, I feel like it's just a, mm. coup, a coup just happened in the show. I mean, and I like, like if you had said no, I would have been fine with it. I don't it. regret it, but I sense that you really wanted to do it. Really? Yeah. I, I tried to tell you, did my mind just, wasn't made did up. Did we just decide to do something that neither of us wanted to do? <laughs> I think it's a good idea, but I also could go either way on it. Well, I hope it works. Mm Because if it does, even if it does work, I almost want to go back to uh, every week. Is that because you like me? Well, let's not get too carried away. Mm. But uh, how do you feel about that? About the the every two weeks? How much you like me? Um, I feel, let me think. Yeah, I feel nothing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, Yeah, I hope it works, you know, because it feels it feels like we we if we should be releasing every week because we can release every week. Right. And we have and that's we we have that's my ethics system. (laughs) If you can, you should. Okay. yeah. (laughs) Come on. Um, But uh, but yeah, I hope it works. And I hope uh, our, our dedicated listeners have patience with us. And I hope this gives our new listeners a chance to catch up. Me too. Me too. Anyways, I just wanted to say that. No real reason, but I just wanted to say that. I wanted to say that out loud so that it was registered in the record. Right. But uh, The Library of Congress. Yeah. So now that they know, mm-hmm. you can proceed with your uh, issues of follow-up. And interestingly, Jim, yes. I don't have any follow-up. I had what? something, but I forgot it. Okay. Well, yeah. that's a first. I had it while we were recording the segment that we're about to move into now, which is the next segment. Well, thankfully, we went into our Wayback Machine to get back from the future. That's true. That's yeah. true. But I, right. so that I'm not stuck back here okay. with you, right. brought a way forward machine. So that you, I will be left and you will go forward. Yes. Well, anyways. Um, so, David, uh, we are going to play a segment of our first interview with uh, Ben, a listener of ours, from a longtime listener, first time caller. And ben, uh, what's his name? Ben, what's it? Ben Robin. There he is. And uh, it's our first, uh, first interview. I hope it goes well. Uh, so like, what do you do? When, when, can we play this? Can I like just lounge around your house while we play this? We don't actually need to be here. Are you sure? N- yes. Oh man. I brought like, I brought like chips and things. Oh, okay. And, and, like a game for me to play while we play this segment. So what I can game? Just, I don't know. Just, <laughs> just joking. But, uh, we're going to go ahead and play this and I hope it's edifying for you all. Do you mm, have anything you want to say before we turn it over to, uh, us and Ben? No, why would I? Why would I have anything to say? Okay. We're about to say a bunch of things. I'm glad. I'm I, literally supposed to be the first person talking. So why would I say something before I say something? I'm just trying to make this as awkward as I can. That makes sense. Okay, well, let's, let's roll the tape. Let's go and roll the tape. We're rolling. Okay. So Ben, a lot of other uh, podcast co-hosts would begin by thanking you for joining us, but I think it's most appropriate. We won't. 
if I just apologize to you. <laughs> so from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry that you are here for your sake. Oh boy. David. <laughs> I'm sure Ben is very this happy. This is what you get when you ask me to do the intro. Well, maybe I should do it next time. Well, he's happy now because he doesn't know what's going to happen. Okay. Well, oh no, the flogging hurts way more on this side of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So let's introduce our, uh, our friend, our first uh, celebrity guest. I think he's a celebrity. So I'm sure you do too. I'm not just, a celebrity, and you've already had Matt Chandler and Martin Lloyd-Jones on this show. Point taken. And Bill Hasinger. And Bill Hasinger. That's fair. He's, he's big taken. in Europe. Point, point taken. Mostly because of the So uh, we talk crescents. about Ben a lot on our show. We do name drops for Ben. That's true. We've mentioned he's, He has inspired yeah. much follow-up. So we decided it was probably <laughs> best to have Ben be our first guest. Why not? That uh, makes sense, yeah. So it's about time we actually introduce our audience to our, our good friend, Ben. So I met Ben through the Tech Reformation uh, yeah. podcast, which okay. he used to host and has since uh, abandoned to Shield. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's hey. strong language. Where in David. this case, where oh, in no. this case, I am Shield. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and let's see, Ben, you're the. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Yes, tell us, Ben. Well, I am Ben Robin, as Jim would say, <laughs> mm-hmm. and. Um, Man, I'm just glad to be here. I can't believe I'm on a podcast that's had Matt Chandler, Martin Lloyd Jones, and Bill Hasinger. I know we're and a, I'm the fourth guest. We're we're a weird bunch, I think. <laughs> well, I'm a longtime listener of the show, first time caller, mm. and by caller I mean guest. Right. And yeah, I just really like what you guys do on this show where you try to understand each other better. I regularly find myself on Jim's side of the fence, not understanding David and being mostly aggravated by the things he says. Mm. This is the Me part too. where we do full disclosure, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm at the contractually negotiated 29 and a half feet. So that might be part of the problem. <laughs> You're like 29, hundred miles away right now. That's yeah. a slight exaggeration, but yeah. Okay. I don't know what you want me to say about me. I'm a dude. I have a wife and a daughter now. I just graduated from seminary and I want to be a pastor, which I think is why David and Jim want to talk to me. Yeah, that is exactly why we wanted to talk to you today. But David, Ben, I want to get my question out first. I just decided that I want to jump in first. You go right ahead. This is the most important question that I have. So it's going to really go downhill from here. But here, here goes with my question. So, so Ben, I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you now. It's just you and me. All right. So should I leave a long time ago? You met, you were hosting the tech reformation podcast. Should I leave? Yes, I was. (laughs) You were hosting the tech reformation podcast. Everything was going great. You discovered this person named David McCookie. I did. Uh, Yep. He's a smart guy, a tech guy. He, he speaks tech like you guys do. You found a kindred spirit. Really? Uh, things progressed. I became friends. You got to know him a little bit. He's a podcast guy. He's, he has, are we dating? What's happening? (laughs) That's what I heard. I was confused. (laughs) I need you to be quiet. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, let the audience know that Jim was pointing to David, not me. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. Um, There's three of us. So things progress and David becomes the new, uh, emperor of, uh, the tech reformation podcast. You move on to different pastures. You know, your, your life happens, life Life experience happens. You have to move on to other things. So right. at what point did you feel the profound regret when you learned the truth about David? Like, Oh man. <laughs> and, and when you, <laughs> when you, when you encountered that profound, deep regret, what did it feel like? And do you feel any remorse for the tech reformation podcast listeners uh, who have to hear him uh, every week, knowing the truth about him that you and I both know? I'm Please, sorry. I have to ask. Thoughts, hey, 
As someone <laughs> who knows a great many unfortunate truths about myself, right? Which one are you referring to? Oh, you're the, the dark Presbyterianism. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, just clarify. I figured that's what it was. And about a thousand it, it was other probably things. in our fifteenth or sixteenth conversation about the newness of the new covenant that David keeps missing. He <laughs> <laughs> <It> keeps missing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to know when it happened. I'm just establishing a timeline for our audience and for me. So, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> but, I think I knew that there was something special about David. The first time <laughs> I didn't mean for that to be as condescending and pedantic as it came off. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, I don't think anyone would think that. <laughs> the first time that we had him on Tech Reformation as a guest, when he told me, oh, I'm a I'm a Scottish covenanter. And I said, <laughs> and I said, I said, oh, what's that? And then he proceeded <laughs> to explain the Scottish Covenanter position that, as I understand went, it, nations today said, what have I are done? morally obligated by God to legislate the Ten Commandments, including the first table. Did I get that right, David? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to you. <clears throat> and anyway, he proceeded to explain all this stuff on Tech Reformation. And then I told Derek to cut all of it out. <laughs> <laughs> you said no. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's that's really all I want, what I wanted to know. Um, so now, David, can you please start the interview proper? Now I'm just going to do jokes and insults. So, so we already said that you uh, graduated from seminary, but you've been working as a developer mm-hmm. yeah. of the web variety right. in the meantime. Yeah. So not a real developer. Uh, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> this guy. This guy. And... Uh, there actually was, they called us software engineers and there's a whole like conversation in the engineering quote unquote world that you shouldn't call mm-hmm. software engineers software engineers because it's not real engineering. I guess because it's not like hands-on oh. mechanical types of hardware things maybe, I don't know. And it's sort but of I think like it's because somehow it's not integrates as, engineering. I don't know. But, but I think it's because it's not as uh, regulated as, as other fields. Like in other fields of engineering, there's, there are a lot more regulations, whereas anybody can call themselves uh, a software engineer. Perhaps that's why I'll thank you not to use yeah. the word regulated on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As long as you use it in your sermon on Sunday, <laughs> let me get a pen. I need to write these down before you continue, David. Uh, just one real quick thing. We are looking at Ben on a Skype thing on uh, a computer here in our studio, the last form of flogging studio. And Ben, I think your shirt says rectal. No, you please, no, no, no. I'm, I'm serious. Could you stand up? Okay. Nope. Rectal magic. Rector, rector magic. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just 18. wanted to make sure. And now that I know I feel better, we can continue. So man, this might be deleted or it might not be. I don't know. But we're going to talk to David about his uh, pastoral aspirations um, because you and I discussed that sometimes on the show in the past. Did he mean and, to uh, say you? No, he meant to say Ben. <laughs> okay. That's what yeah. I thought. All right. You just have to go with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, that's me. Um, so my question is, where did you go to seminary? I think that's, that's important starting off. Well, uh, I recently actually graduated, which I, I just found out you guys didn't know from mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist <laughs> Theological Seminary. And I'm told that every mm. word in that name is important. The Southern Baptist <laughs> Theological Seminary. We are told as well. That's mm. the, the, the flagship seminary, right? Like, how many Southern Baptists like get really weirded out when they're forced to acknowledge that the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is like the flagship one? Is that a thing? I don't like, know. Do I think there probably <laughs> is some, I don't know, maybe like informal joking or jabbing at each other wonder, about I, seminary I was, angst. I don't know. Okay. I always wondered that. <laughs> but anyways, that's where you graduated from. Excellent. Yeah. 
So he studied under James Moeller, David. <laughs> His name is still Albert. Oh, okay, right. I right. think I corrected yeah. that in feedback. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it next week. Okay, next week. Do you want me to submit that on the Slack channel or please? Ideally, Please. Yeah, okay, yeah, great. Yes. I'll just no, no, no. We call him James Moeller because it's a hybrid of James White and Al Moeller. You, you oh, do. Okay. You did last week to be funny because right. So we to be funny. Like I okay. don't, I don't do it on accident. This is how our first interview is going, and I told you it was going to be my fault, and it is. And I'm. It's actually, only a matter of time until he shows up at our door and wants to punch me in the face. Okay. <laughs> so what do we got? So, uh, hey Jim, I'm just a, slacking you this right now so that you'll have it. It's Albert. Oh, Moeller. great. Thank you. In the, in the flogging <laughs> channel, so that everyone can participate. Mm, I mm. shall meditate upon his name and <laughs> brother like everybody else. So, uh, the thing that is interesting to me about your particular journey to becoming a pastor, uh, and, and what inspired you to be on this show or inspired us to have you on this show is that you relate to Jim a lot in the sense of, uh, the Southern Baptist mm -hmm. kind of background. And you also relate to me in the sense of, Hey David, call me uh, a new Calvinist. Being, a, a <laughs> David, call me new Calvinisty, please say it one more time. A new Calvinisty <laughs> tech guy, and then say new covenanty, <laughs> and, and, and emphasize the newness of that. <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm being asked to do like an Elmo impersonation? <laughs> like, like I'm a caricature caricature of myself, and people just wanna wanna hear me be me. You are a well, caricature we of yourself. At least in my sister mind. doesn't want to play along. <laughs> Have I ever done that on this show? Yeah, I think uh, you no, have. you haven't. Oh, okay. Except, no, maybe not. Jim would know. <laughs> uh, where was I going with this? Oh, the fact that you're in tech. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you you have uh, a career. Because um, Jim and I have talked about how when we decided we don't want to be pastors, we did not have anything to fall back on. Yeah. Uh, at least not 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 rock solid to fall back on. In a way, we did, but yeah, you're right. Um, whereas, whereas you you could easily you know, pretty easily find a job in your field, making enough money to pay for your education, you know, to pay off student loans, that sort of thing. Right. Um, I actually, so, on that point, didn't take out student loans for seminary because I was working as a developer. So I was paying it off as you. I went for, because of that. Yeah. Because that's the thing about developers is they make money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't, ben, you're, you're <laughs> or software engineers, as you would say. I almost feel ridiculous asking this. But don't feel ridiculous, your, Jim. Okay. Well, um, a lot of your colleagues, your fellow seminarians, uh -huh. do they have a similar story as you? No, Are they I, sitting I don't on a think lot they of do debt right now. No, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I they was do. wondering if, uh, I think yeah. a lot of people, so my friends here, there, there's a lot of, for mm -hmm. whatever reason, I don't really know. Um, there's a lot of Southern students in Memphis who are doing it online kind of like I did with yeah, the occasional yeah, yeah. modular modular class every now and then where you go to campus. And I think many of them are working in ministries that are getting maybe subsidized is a word I could use, but, oh. but some of their class or, or a lot of their class is getting paid for as they work in either a church or a parachurch. So I think that mm -hmm. maybe is more typical. Um, What's a parachurch? Uh, Non-church Christian organization. <laughs> He was trying to make a joke on pair churches. Mm, mm -hmm. so that, uh -oh. That's where the joke was. And that's why it might've been funny, but it wasn't. So we'll nope. move on. <laughs> nope. Jim will cut it. Yes. But I don't know how many Anyways. people are actually taking out loans. I think that's a great question. And, and I loved your, yeah. I don't remember which one it was because you guys don't have meaningful show titles, but one of the episodes <laughs> recently. He's not wrong. Yep. <laughs> one of the episodes recently, you guys were on a tear about 
don't get Bible degrees in your undergrad because the only reason you get a Bible degree is so you can get into seminary, which is what you're going to need if they want you to be a pastor. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you making that point as two guys who have Bible degrees. I do not have a Bible degree. Oh, well, Jim, then. Well, I don't have any degree. Not unfortunately, (laughs) but fortunately. Okay. I am zero Kelvin. Yeah. Well, I will say, I think that that's an ordinarily kind of thing. Yeah. Because I know a guy who's one of the best pastors I know in Decatur, Mm -hmm. Alabama, who didn't even graduate from high school. Nice. So it's not typical, but it's not impossible. Right. Okay. Oh, you mean, you mean the idea of doing, doing, uh, being, becoming a pastor without seminary? Right. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think that, I think that what you need is a seminary level of education. Right. But that doesn't need to come with a a degree necessarily. Right. And I Um, think you're, you totally are right that my undergraduate degree in computer science got me into seminary fine. And I also now have some way to make money if no one will hire (laughs) me as a pastor. Because turns out there's lots of reasons not to hire me as a pastor. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Are you saying that as a joke, Ben, or because you have been applying? Uh, no, I haven't been applying. I uh-huh. wasn't saying it as a joke either, though. <laughs> it's, okay. It's because when you're, uh, I've never really described myself as like David, but when you're like mm. David. <laughs> I've always... <laughs> The RPC and it would gladly have you if you change just a couple things. There's I like I want to say very few churches that are interested in having you as their senior <laughs> pastor. Or oh any my other gosh. Pastors. Oh, wow. <laughs> ben, I don't mean this as an insult to you at all because I think all Baptist pastors should be a lot more like you, but it is really sad to me <laughs> that that is the case. That's like, funny. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before and I appreciate you saying that. Uh, so the question that I was... Uh, gearing up to ask before Jim asked his question. I won't say a word. Was, can you talk a little bit about your external calling? Because obviously the difference between us is that you seem to be called to be a pastor. I say seem to, because I'm not the one who gets to decide that. And we seem to not be called to be, we definitely are not called to be pastors. I'm not called to be a pastor and I'm not qualified to be. And that's the last thing I'll say about that. So can you talk about your external calling? Yep. I would love to have a conversation about this. If this is something you guys finding yourselves disagreeing or maybe wanting to nuance a little bit, but I generally speaking, think about it in two ways. First, uh, the Holy spirit makes people overseers or elders or pastors, right? And he does so through the means of congregations voting someone into the role as elder. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) I'm just going to say that there are, opposing views and we will move on. I don't want to agree, uh, argue about ecclesiology today. <laughs> so Jim, you didn't come prepared, but point taken Ben. But so in terms of, am I called? Well, no, not until that happens, at least in my well, understanding right. from scripture. Yeah. But in terms of discerning a call, how I might discern a call or how a congregation might discern that call. This is the second way I think about it. Internal and external internal. Essentially, do I have a subjective sense that I should be a pastor, which we could talk about why that might be. And external, do I have other people saying you should be a pastor? And that's kind of how I think about it. And I've had lots of people, both non-pastors and pastors, tell me you should be a pastor. And some of them had good reasons and some of them had bad reasons. And we could talk about (laughs) that too. But that's generally how I think about it. I'm curious if you guys would would say it differently than that. Uh, Not necessarily. Um, So there, in other words, there are affirmations external that uh, seem to indicate that you would you should be a pastor. Yeah. 
I think so. Um, and that I think is, is that get that that's on the right track for me. Um, I don't know to what extent, um, like where does that external, where should that external call come from? Should it come from your home church, the church you're applying to people in your life, friends, uh, can it only come from pastors? I haven't really sorted through all those issues because it's not really an issue I need to sort through Mm -hmm. because I'm just kind of a layman, you know? Sure. Um, But what literally, (laughs) thank you. Thank you, David. Um, We seem to be going like almost in backwards order because I I guess I'm the guy who's going to ask the question about internal call and you went with external first. Yeah. And I should, I should go ahead and say for me, I think internal call is the the reason that I like to focus on external uh, is because I think internal call is something that almost, almost, not not entirely, but almost doesn't matter. When you think of some of the, the best, the the external doesn't doesn't matter. Is the internal doesn't matter. Okay, uh, why? Because you when that? you think of some of the best leaders in church history, mm-hmm. Moses, uh, John Calvin, uh, the Apostle Paul, like many of them were reluctant, and that reluctance flies in the face. That of, reluctance does not mean there isn't an internal. You're call. right. You're right. But I think for most people internal call means I really want to do this. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like Carl Truman, for example, was pastored by his pastors. You should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. You should be a pastor Mm -hmm. for years before he finally said, you know what? Okay. And I think his internal call was basically like, you know, if, if these people think that I should do this and if I don't feel like I can't do it, I guess I probably should. And this is a good way for me to serve God. I think that's fine. But, but Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, all they have is just an internal drive and so it gets so overplayed that I almost want to, I almost want to completely reverse that, but I, I don't want to completely reverse it. Ben, I want to argue with him, but I'm, I have to realize that there's a guest here. <laughs> so <laughs> and you're going to let me do it. Yes, please. Okay, great. I want to come back on that for two reasons. Number okay. one, David in scripture, first Timothy three, one, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires Ooh. noble task, right? Yep. So there is some sense in which, I aspire to that office and that's a good thing because God says I completely agree. Now where I totally agree with you is that that aspiration alone is not sufficient for me to know I should be a pastor. But I think if it's not there at all, I would want to ask some more questions. And then I think too, as a reformed person, David, you know, well, good and well (laughs) that you should be slower to interpret God's providence because there are just as many negative examples as there are positive examples. Uh, for example, William Carey, right, was so convinced that he should go to the mission field, and yet his wife protested to the extent that she literally went, people think, like insane, went, went into wow. madness because it bothered her so much, and he still did it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we realize the modern missions movement has kind of come from yeah. his work. So I just don't know that I would want to quickly say, yeah, let's do what William Carey did. I don't know much about Carey, but I would think... And I would hope to think that there was some reluctance. I think he felt the weight of the task before him. And uh, maybe not reluctance is the right word, but uh, feeling the weight of the task before you, as long as that is there, you can still um, also aspire. Yeah. And I guess I'm, uh, I'm, I'm coming off strong because again, I want to, I want to really come out strong against what, what you just mentioned, Ben, which is this idea that the, the internal call alone is not, is not nearly enough. Um, And so all that I'm really trying to say is just because you don't have an internal call doesn't mean you won't. I think the internal call is necessary in order to be a pastor. But for somebody who says, Oh no, I don't want to do that. 
but everybody around him is telling him you should, he should maybe think about wanting to do that. <laughs> and that the fact yeah. that you don't feel like it now is not an indication that you shouldn't. Right. I think that's a good way to think about it, that, that an external call could override a missing internal call, right. but not the other way around. So maybe, maybe saying that it's not important is, is wrong, but saying that perhaps it is less important than the external call. Uh, maybe that's what I should have said. Sure. Well, I think so. We're using a word that we haven't really defined calling. Um, good, good work, Ben, because that was my question. <laughs> but uh, also, I don't want to just speak in generalities here. I do want to get uh, inside your head and okay. was hoping that now that we've sufficiently solved the external calling problem for all of evangelicalism, um, mm, I was mm. hoping you could comment on your own personal sense of your own calling. They're not the listening, ministry. Jim. They're we not listening. You, we should get YouTube down here to film this. <laughs> yeah, we should. Oh man. Um, so, so Ben, you, um, let's talk about yep. you. What? Yeah. And the backdrop yeah. of this question for me is I have heard an, uh, a number of different explanations um, as to what it means to be called. Maybe not yeah. just for the ministry, but for any sp- big spiritual undertaking um, or really anything in life. People have um, sensed uh, a calling in a number of different ways. Um, And I wanted to ask you how you sensed your call to ministry, circumstances around it. And um, if you can, define what you think calling means. Now we're going to talk about the internal uh, section. And as you talk about the things that you're sensing, could you do your best to sound like Legolas? What? (laughs) I sense a dark presence in this place. I don't know. Okay. Oh, okay. Ben, what do your eagle eyes see? That's it. I was hoping somebody would make that reference. Man, you guys didn't prep me for the bits. Like, I'm going to need some heads up on that next time. We're we're doing a bit! Okay, we're we're working on it, Ben. (laughs) Hey, by the way, David, William Carey, a Baptist minister, just so you know. Yeah. I know very little about him. That's why I didn't respond to any of that. Put that I'm going to try pipe. to subversively only quote and reference Baptists in this entire conversation. <laughs> Good man. See, that was a quote from a Presbyterian. So you've already lost. Oh, <laughs> one time Anyways. I heard a Baptist minister say that he's never had an original thought. And then I found out that he stole that from Charles Hodge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see, he can do the bits. Come on. <laughs> All right. Meanwhile, that's, that's actually a true story. I wasn't joking. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. I bet that's not the only thing he stole from Charles Hodge. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Okay. Uh, how do I think about calling? Yeah, I, I think that I should probably restate something that we all just agreed on. And that is that the objective is way more important to me than the subjective on this uh, topic. Okay. So any internal sense I have of I should do this would be trumped by other people who know me and know what I'm talking about better saying you shouldn't do this. And Mm -hmm. for me, particularly, I've been kind of trying to live that out over the, over the last four years, especially, but even probably since 2013 in some ways, because what I'll do is I'll introduce people to that idea of the object of taking priority early and asking them for those defeater conversations. Like, Hey, do you think I should stop trying to do this? Yeah, Because I want someone to lovingly tell me no, <laughs> so I won't give so much energy and uh, excitement to it if I shouldn't do it. So if I'm not, and I guess, again, I'm still assuming a definition of calling. One that I've heard that I like um, is that you can think about calling in terms of gifts, opportunities, and passions. Mm-hmm. So what am I good at? What am I able to do? Like, what will someone pay me money to do? And, or what can I do and find another way to support my family. That's opportunities. And then passions, what do I want to do? So yeah. 
I'm not claiming that that's straight from the Bible, but I think it's a helpful paradigm. And I think it's helpful for thinking through calling in this vocation and any vocation, um, because I don't think being called to be a pastor is a special job. Um, I think David's called to do web design in sort of the same way that I'm called to be a pastor because he's good at it. People will give him money for it and he enjoys doing it. Right. And that's kind of how I think through it. I really like teaching the Bible. People have told me I'm good at it and people keep asking me to do it. So uh, if I could ask a follow-up question, then when did you start well, to... I'd like to ask a follow-up question for you guys. Mm. Notice. <laughs> yes. We're ready to believe you, Ben. Um, my follow-up question is, I've been thinking about this interview coming up. I'm sorry. And I've wondered in what way could I distinguish myself, because we distinguish, from you guys, who <laughs> I still think I'm called to be a pastor. You at one yeah. point thought you were. And I don't know that you disagree with anything I've said so far about how that works. No, I don't. So it I must, don't. yeah, so it must be something personal maybe in your life. I mean, were you, were you getting affirmation from other people that, hey, you should do this? At first I was, or not. and then over time, you know, I, I uh, sat on it for a while and um, life happens and I listened to more of that external um, advice, that external penetrating insight that we all need um, and sometimes avoid because they tell the truth about us sometimes and we don't know it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I got some uh, advice and some wisdom from an external source, a number of them. And I believed them and I thought they were telling the truth. And if that was the case, um, then I shouldn't be a pastor or I shouldn't, let me say this, I shouldn't be pursuing it because I, I remember just a side anecdote here in school, I, during a reformed ministry class, the first book we read was Richard Baxter's, a ref, what was it? Reformed pastor. Reformed pastor. And in it, he said that there are many ministers preaching from pulpits, um, guiding their people to hell. And mm. he said that and I'm, I'm horribly paraphrasing, of course, uh, because <laughs> this he is said, the message translation <laughs> of the reformed pastor. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Um, because it, it, for lack of a better way of describing it, um, they shouldn't be pastors, meaning they're, they, they, they conned their way uh, into that position um, of course, they're blind to this. I don't think anyone really does it on purpose. Uh, well, I now think of all the heretics and wolves in my life, and maybe there are some, but um, uh, that, that really struck me and stuck with me, and I have held it in my heart for all of these years, and I wanted to make sure if I ever found out that I, um, for whatever reason, for a number of reasons, was not qualified, um, then I should not pursue it because I don't want to be the guy at the front of the congregation. Um, I think you guys can kind of finish what I'm about to say. So um, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be doing something wrong and harming others and harming the name of Christ. Um, yeah, that's kind of my, so it's kind of my short version of saying that because sometimes, I mean, sometimes um, I could pursue something for the wrong reason. I think I pursued the pastoral ministry for the wrong reasons. I don't think, I don't think that's what God has for me. Um, and I just made a decision one day instead of just clowning around and just playing with it. I decided to make a decision because sometimes you got to do that. Just like a guy needs to make a decision to go into the pastoral ministry, despite all of the, the possible problems that will come as despite all the problems that will come his way. 
he has a compelled reason to do it. He can't do anything else. Spurgeon said something like that somewhere. Um, um, I kind of felt the opposite and decided I need to answer this and go with it. This is for some other guy to do, not me. And I'm kind of really comfortable with that. I'm like, I'm really honestly comfortable that I'm a layman now. And uh, that's, that's really cool for me. I think I've kind of like found, <laughs> I found a path forward. So not to take up the, the whole conversation, but um, yeah. So you guys said earlier that external can really inform the internal in a lot of ways. That happened for me and I just trusted it and went with it. So there you go. Yeah. I think one thing that's not different about, different about us at all, Jim, is that um, my guess, not knowing you super well, but knowing you pretty darn well from all these episodes of flogging, that was a joke. No, no, that was, that was horrifying because I kind of just realized as I have periodically during this show, we say so much about ourselves mm. and so many people that oh, we will yeah, never man. meet know so much about us yep. that horrifies me. And I just like, what have we done? That's just the internet, <laughs> Oh, what man. have we done? That's but anyways, the internet. But anyways, yeah. Well, one thing that I think is the same about us is that I would, this is an educated guess, but it is a guess. I would guess that you're good at helping people follow Jesus. You love helping people follow Jesus and you have lots of opportunities to help people follow Jesus. And I didn't say that earlier because I think that's the job of every Christian. Yeah. I, I also believe just that. about to say that, that we all have those opportunities. Yeah. And you, and you don't have to be a pastor in order to do that stuff. Right. That was I free. totally agree. That's freeing for me. Yeah. And in a lot of ways you'll have opportunities. I never will as a pastor. Um, because you'll do lunch right next to a bunch of non-Christians that I'll never meet because I'm not in the workplace like you are. Right. Um, one day. I mean, right now I am, but you get right. my point. Yeah, I do. The reason I, I structured it around teaching the Bible as I think about calling is because that's the distinguishing mark of an elder in 1 Timothy 3, able to teach, right? That's the thing that, mm-hmm. that makes somebody qualified. And we haven't talked really about qualification, I don't think, yet. But I will say, as I look at those qualifications in scripture and I think about myself, I don't think I'm qualified right now. Well, well, there's a, okay. You don't think you're qualified, but are you qualified? It's like a, it's like a state of being that doesn't really depend much on your feelings on the subject. Right, Ben? So you can say that. Well, but yes, I mean, I, I agree. Okay. And generally what I've said when people ask me this question is that's not my decision to make. That's the decision of a congregation to make. Do they think I'm qualified? If so, then they should vote me in. Um, But, but I can still look at the, and in some ways, this is where David and I can fight some more. I think in some ways, when we look at first Timothy three and other than able to teach, although I think there are implications there too, every one of those qualities is just an exemplary Christian. Like that's, that's just something we should all want to look like Jesus in. And so pastors are really just being good example Christians for other people to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we have, we have different ideas about what it is that, uh, what it is that ministers do that lay, lay persons cannot. Um, if you have a, if you have any resources that you'd like to throw into the show notes on that, this guy, I, I don't want to have that argument here and now. I mean, I do, but I don't. Uh, so maybe we can each share a link in the show notes on that topic, uh, that people can read and, and get perspective. Cause I have one that I'm thinking of off the top of my head on purely Presbyterian, which I'm sure you love. Um, <laughs> I do. I haven't started brutally Baptist yet, but, uh, it's uh, in brutally. the works. 
totally bad. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, because they're not pure. Um, <laughs> in which I take every purely Presbyterian article and respond to it point by point in video format. It's a vlog. Can I just say you should do that? That's great. You should be awesome. Heck no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't have time for that. I, I actually seriously wanted him to. I just wanted to throw that yeah, in there. Me too. Okay. Um, it's the only thing that would get me to start a vlog too. Um, <laughs> You know what we should do? We should do a start a YouTube channel. Like, you know, how those, they have those reaction videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We should do reaction videos to purely <laughs> Presbyterian <laughs> Oh my gosh. No one would watch that. I, would. I don't know. I don't know. Some people might, but uh, we'll I do pride that myself though. I do pride myself though, in being the Baptist David needs and not the one he deserves. Jim Indeed. is the Baptist David deserves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man. I'm the worst uh, counter to you ever, but we make it work somehow. Anyways. So uh, I think that it's helpful maybe here to draw a distinction between being disqualified and being unqualified. A person can be disqualified from office, meaning there is some moral component that prohibits them from being a pastor either ever or at least anytime soon. Right. So a guy who just, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, a, a guy who's married to three women, that's just not a thing that's going to happen. And that happens in some cultures. Like of that course. guy cannot be a pastor. He's disqualified. Whereas somebody who's unqualified, I think that does center around issue, the, the, the issues that arise from the phrase able to teach. Um, so maybe this person has all of the moral components, but he is not yet qualified in the sense that he needs to go to seminary or, or acquire some similar level of, of education. And in that sense, he's unqualified, but he's not disqualified. Okay. That's fair. Right. I think you could become qualified if you're in a state of being unqualified. I think most people can become unqualified if they're in a state of, of being unqualified. But another, another example that might be helpful here is somebody who is mentally incapable of ever being able to teach. Okay. Uh, I, or, or, or and, and this is, this is where I feel like, like I sit to, to answer the question that you asked both of us earlier. I think that able to teach implies not just from the pulpit, but also in one-on-one counseling sorts of situations. Um, because I think that it is the duty of ministers to be meeting with families regularly, uh, to be meeting with people in their church regularly. And just freaked out. I know. I'm, Skype. I want to see what happens here. <laughs> uh, and because of that, that's where I see myself as falling willfully short. And it's also where the elders at my church feel, see me falling willfully tr- sh- short and not just the elders, but let me rephrase that. That's also where a lot of people at my church see me falling willfully short. People at our church are afraid I, of you. Let's just say that. I'm not <laughs> exactly. commenting on how short or not short you fall. The part before that about what able to teach means, I could not agree more. I think it's mm. so much broader than preaching on Sunday, every Sunday from the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think was the only mean, reason I thought I was qualified. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. See, cause yeah, that, I think a lot I of think, guys think that I think at one point I had, not that this was you, but for me, this definitely was the case. I had a really, really narrow idea of what a pastor was probably because I listened to Matt Chandler and people <laughs> like, <How> him. are we? <laughs> and so you had to be the guy who was up there every Sunday on the podcast. Right. And it's like, that's not, I mean, that is essential preaching to pastoring. But I don't think every pastor, I don't even think every pastor preaches, you know, like, I, I don't think I can even say that. So yeah, Depending I just think able to teach terms, means, but sure. Yeah. It means more than that. 
but oh yeah right if you if you just mean preaching the gospel of course we all do that but i would hope you would think that all oh Christians no i mean to find the term pastor but yeah oh okay sure sorry uh i'm trying to pull up the king james here oh, uh give me just one second there's a I've website that can help you with archives. that archives david just got really into the archives all right here it is and i built a website <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. That. I'm getting there. And I'm using my newfangled app. Oh, my. Okay, there we go. What's All that? right, let's see. What? How do they render this? So it's interesting that you keyed on, in on able to teach. And, and Jim, you said you wanted me to get more specific to me. The reason I said I'm not sure that I'm qualified is actually not able to teach. It's a couple of other phrases. Um, and I was just looking at how the King James renders it. Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I want to quote the King James here. <laughs> having his children in subjection with all gravity indeed <laughs> you have to say it like that yes <laughs> um yeah i'm just gonna go back to old faithful that so darn the ESV... english translation shaping the english language <laughs> old, for centuries to come old faithful. So, <laughs> so the so the esv um uh, uh i think there's conversation to be had for me around above reproach around uh, not quarrelsome and around uh, not a lover of money and around must manage his household well. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I'm talking about when I say I'm not sure if I'm qualified. And obviously Jim's right that that's, that's a subjective thing that I think, and mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that and yeah, I'd be happy yeah. to be corrected on that. Yeah, definitely. I can say as somebody who probably quarrels with you more than anyone, I don't find you quarrelsome. I think that's a, it, it, that's not a characteristic that means you tend to get into debates with people who enjoy debating with you uh, in a healthy way if you both, both seeking truth. I think that's yeah. a, that's a different term from that. And, but, but it is a quality that will often come out in those sorts of situations. And I don't see that in you. Well, and as we think about processing call, right for me, that's been a really difficult thing to work through. Um, because am I quarrelsome if I'm just in an anti-intellectual culture? Mm. Well, not necessarily. Maybe people just right. don't value seeking truth in the way that probably we should, mm-hmm. right? And so that's really hard to process because, you know, you may even have uh, the vast majority of your congregation or maybe even some of your pastors, right, might be in some ways a little bit bent to the practical in an unhelpful way that's actually anti-intellectual. Ben, are you also thinking that in terms of the managing the household well, are you feeling um, that it's a... This is great. I love that you guys are counseling me into being a pastor. No, this is great. (laughs) No, no, no. Keep it coming. No, I just wanted to get your take on um, specifically because you have a father of a a young child. How old is your child now? Two months. Two months. As of this weekend. Are you feeling because, you know, you're you're young? Wait, 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 wait. What, what? Your child was born like two or three days after you graduated, right? A week before, actually. Oh, oh no, okay. no, no, no. Sorry. A month before. A month oh. before. Oh, no, that makes sense because it's June, not July. I'm sorry. Ignore Thank everything right. that just Thank happened. Thank you for getting the math right. Okay. Um, it was a fence post error. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, are you feeling that the, um, the managing of the household is, is a real big challenge for you right now simply because you're just, you have a young family? Um, you know, because I could be wrong here and I'd love to be corrected, uh, particularly by David. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel, I just feel left out here. (laughs) 
obvi- obviously husband of one wife relates to husband wife relationships. Obviously, yeah. I have also thought that managing household well relates to not just father child, but also husband wife. Okay, great. Because yeah. the wife is part of the household. So, so I'm not exclusively thinking about my daughter in this case, mm-hmm. who is two months old, and I, right. you know, managing well just means keeping her alive, and I'm doing that. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking more about. Gosh, there have been seasons where I failed to lead my house in family worship, True, you know? Yeah. yeah hmm. And it's like, I think that's part of managing your household well. And I recognize that you're probably not going to get family worship every day and that's okay. Right. Um, but how long can you go, you know, without <laughs> yeah. it? This, yeah, this is the problem. Like, Whenever we start to uh, think of numbers, you know, if you've gone two months, then right. you are disqualified right. from the pastorate and you'll, right. be, you'll be let right. go. Right. Right. Security will ask you or escort you out the door, you know? Um, right. Because we're not really given those numbers in scripture. Of so, course. So that's kind of like hopeful and frustrating at the same time. Frustrating that we don't get numbers because we want to know, but hopeful in that, well, if you have neglected to uh, lead your family in worship for two months, I don't think that disqualifies you from the, the ministry. So that, that, that being said, um, I just want to get your take on, you know, how that, how that, how you were feeling and you kind of answered that for me. So, um, well, so you're and I think too, Jim. Yeah. The new, the new covenant and its newness. Oh, I love talking about the newness. It's, it's, I just want to like feel the newness. I never get to feel the newness over here. <laughs> it's, it's really, I would say that the new covenant in some ways is anti-Mishnah, you know, like we're not in the old covenant. Things are very jot and tittle letter, right? But in the new covenant, it's more, you know, governed You're not by the even spirit. serious and right so, now. Shh. You are not serious <laughs> right now. <laughs> I like, I freaked out inside because I'm like, is he serious right now? And then I was like, no, oh, you no, just, he is he, not serious right now. I think, I think when you get mad, you sound like Matt Chandler. Oh, you are not serious right now. <laughs> you totally came that out. was definitely gay Matt Chandler. Well done. <laughs> oh, I could, um, that disarmed me. I have no idea what to say. That sounds like uh, Craig from the office. That it's called caring too much and it's incurable. Not the office. Uh, Parks and Rec. <laughs> I'm unforgivable. What happened? Uh, so Spurgeon once argued that you should only go into the ministry if there is absolutely nothing else you can do. And he was very careful to distinguish between if your passion for ministry won't let you do anything else. Right, he was not right. saying like as a last resort, like, well, I tried bagging groceries, but I was bad at that. And I tried flipping hamburgers <laughs> and they fired me there. Like, so I guess I'm going to be a pastor. I can just imagine Spurgeon, like trying like 12 different jobs. And like, <laughs> okay. I can't do anything. Well, but he literally, I think the, where I, where I read this was in Spurgeon's lectures to my student. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that, that was his argument though, was if you, if you're, you should only become a pastor if, if your passions won't let you do anything else. And I've probably already showed my hand a little bit as to what I think of that quote. Um, <laughs> but so two questions on that quote. Do you think this is the correct way of thinking about it? And then secondly, is this the way that you feel about ministry, regardless of whether you think that's necessary or not? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think the quote's helpful. Um, oh, I've actually, if ben. we can go back to my, uh, paradigm earlier around calling gifts, passions, opportunities. I've actually had that quote deployed uh, in the in the gifts and in the opportunities area. Did you say gifts or gifts? Like, Would you stop g- gifts with a T? <laughs> but so so it's like so basically you want anyone who can't get a job doing anything else to be a pastor, and it's like what? No, what are you no, talking no, about? No, that's, no, that's a terrible idea. That's not what he meant. That's the opposite I of know. what he meant. 
No, I know it's not what he <laughs> okay, meant, okay. but I'm saying people have ripped the quote out of context okay, out of Spurgeon's mouth and they've you. attributed that to him. And I'm like, that's really not right. helpful. Okay, good. So, so that's mostly why I find the, the quote unhelpful. I'm also, you know, going back to what we were saying about internal external call earlier, if I were sure I shouldn't do it because let's say I thought I was unqualified and the elder board at my church were saying, you're being ridiculous. You're qualified. I probably should listen to them. And I don't think that would be, um, the situation Spurgeon's describing where my passion is so strong that I can't do anything else. Mm. I, I also think there's something to be said about contentment because it's something we're supposed to have. (laughs) Um, is such that if I want it really bad and still can't do it, you know, say I'm not a pastor in 50 years and I never have been, I should still be able to be content in Christ with whatever God's given me because God makes man to differ and to be angry at his providence is to be angry at his, at, at him. Right. And it's not just chance or happenstance that I, I didn't become a pastor. It was ordained by God. So I just, yeah, I I guess I just chide against the quote just a little bit for those reasons. Amen. Uh, so then the second question is, is, is that how you feel about it? Like, do you think that you could, and, and maybe I'll, I'll draw a distinction based on what you just said, not so much that you couldn't do anything else, but that it would contentment would be a struggle for you if you had to be a developer for the next 30 years. Um, that's a good question. I don't, thank you. Some, some days, yes. Some days, no. Just the other day I said to myself, self, mm. You could just go to a healthy church and read Bob Inc. in the evenings and you'd be fine. You know, mm. just be a developer, read Bob Inc. You'll be fine. Um, and I don't know some days. Yeah, I could probably could do that. But I think I'd wonder if I should have done, if I should have pursued it more. Um, just so. because friends, family, pastors, people who know me and people who know the job have said enough, you should look into this. Um, and they said it's stronger than that, that I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to the gifts God has given me if I didn't at least try and uh, leave it up to him hmm. if, if it happens or doesn't. That makes sense. I mean, you, you spun the question, but I, I like the way that you spun it. Like it's, you, you could be content and, and you don't think that it would, be, it would be a struggle, but you also feel obligated to try, which I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, I want to, I want to ask you guys something. So, so, and I, this may have been another question because it got me thinking about, I really want to be thoroughly Protestant. Like I really want to be Protestant. Mm. Um, and I, and I don't know if y'all know this, but I was raised Catholic. And oh. so like, it's, I'm just not Protestant just cause it's convenient. I'm like convictionally Protestant. Yeah. And so I really want to hold tightly to Luther's doctrine of vocation in that me being called to be a pastor, if I am, is not any more special in terms of calling on your life right. than David being a designer or Jim being a sales guy. Yeah. Um, because we can bring glory to God in, in all of these vocations. Um, and yet, so that's true. And I want to hold that tightly. And yet there's something about it that makes me think it's not just like every other job in the sense that you are talking about, um, gosh, I think Bunyan described it as, as (laughs) personal and private tours to heaven. Like, he was, he was ushering people across the sort of river wow. to heaven. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and that's just such a high calling. And, and obviously the spiritual warfare you would think would be uh, more significant for a man of the cloth. <laughs> yeah. 
I cannot believe you just. I want to be Protestant, which is, but I want to be a man of the cloth. <laughs> yeah, which is never a phrase I would use as a reformer. Let me just tell you. But uh, I just did it for fun. So yeah, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that tension? Like, like there's something that's not special, but that there, there's also something that's special. And maybe it's just a both and there, and there's a tension to manage. I don't know, or to live in. There, there has to be a difference or a distinction because, um, when it's all said and done, at the end of the at the end of days pastors or leaders are going to be held to an account that is stricter than, uh, than a layman. Mm-hmm. So I look at that and think, Hmm, I don't know what it is, but there is something maybe not special, but there is something different about this, this group of guys. Um, yeah. And, and what, if you do uh, nail down what that might be, whatever it is, don't get too comfortable or don't get too happy. Don't, um, don't let it go to your head. I'm speaking in simple terms here um, because you are going to have a stricter uh, accounting that should terrify you to the point where people like if they just met you, they would have no idea that you were a pastor. They would have no idea that you're a pastor of a big church that you make um, a good paycheck because you've worked hard and your people are generous. You know, I just think that, um, if there is a distinction, whatever it is, I hope that it's, it's couched in humility. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And maybe it's not a distinction in the person, but in the task that they're called to. Yeah, I like that. Because I like, that. Yeah. like you, like you were saying, mm. you know, you're kind of quoting James there, or at least alluding to him. Not many of you should be teachers, my brothers, for you will face a stricter judgment. Right. Oh, I thought it was James so there, Moore. There is something there. <laughs> he, he also or said like, it. He was quoting the Bible though. All right. Good. Or like uh, Hebrews, right? That, that pastors are soul watchers. And I wouldn't say that about my doctor or my plumber or my web designer. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll look out for you. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> Hopefully they, uh, David, they, what, they look out for you, Ben, you know, but, uh, but yeah, you're yeah, right. They, they you're do right. in different ways. They're more like body watchers. That seems weird. David, what do you think? I think that if you're trash, see, I'm going to be more articulate because I'm answering second to Jim, not because of any, any radio voice thing happening. Okay. But he said that I've had a lot of time to think about this. He needs to like fix what I just said. Is that what you No, mean? I agree with you. <laughs> uh, we well, want to be, we want to be pro go ahead. I'm more of a personal preference guy and you're more of a biblical guy. So I understand Not what I was saying. And that week. was a side <laughs> joke. I'm just, I'm just no, needling no. David from no, a- J- Jim. You're close there. David's more of a Westminster confession guy. Oh, yeah. oh. Hey-o. wow. That old I, I wanna, chestnut. I want to like give you like a, like a, a hand clap. Like a digital hand clap. So boom. There you we mean go. We a just high five? Oh, sorry. <laughs> hand a hand clap, clap is something you do clap. with yourself. Both of you shut up. <laughs> uh, so to, to answer the question, I Where think were we? if your garbage collector guy messes up and spills garbage on your driveway, that's not as bad as if the person who makes you food messes up and gives you food poisoning, which is not as bad as if the person operating on your heart messes up and kills you, which is not as bad as if your minister messes up and damns you your soul. Hell. Right. Did you um, just win yeah. that? Well, like I said, I had a lot of time to think about okay, it. Good. Okay. <clears throat> um, and, and, and so in each of these tasks, we require not just, we don't just say that the task is heavier and that, that the task is even more important. It is more important. It's, it's important that we have garbage people. Like it is important that, that, yeah. it, that, that our garbage be taken care of. Um, and most jobs are important. Most jobs do contribute to the common good. And, and most jobs do glorify God. I, I say most because there are obviously unlawful jobs where, you know, you are, your, your job is to actually hurt people. Um, and I think those jobs are becoming more and more common. But anyway, um, 
there are, we wouldn't just distinguish in the task. We would also distinguish in the person. Like I do not want my doctor who's operating on my heart to have the same level of education and intelligence as somebody who checks me out at the grocery store. And obviously somebody with that level of intelligence can end up working at a grocery store. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that because he works at the grocery store, he must have that level of intelligence. Though I will say, David, it's really helpful to have a skilled bagger, you know? I mean, they just do it so well. It really is. Especially as someone who does not like bagging his own groceries. Right. Anyway, all of this to say, have you ever been in a grocery store outside? Yeah, but I always use the self checkout because then I don't have to talk to people, (laughs) which is why I can't be a pastor. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, ben is being so patient right now. I think that it's... No, I, I feel like you guys are being patient with me. I've given really long-winded answers, and I just feel so bad well, you've, been, you've asked the questions back at us, which is so weird. I like it, because it's more mm-hmm. of a conversation than an interview, which I think is more par for the course for the show. Uh, but anyway, right? Uh, I think that it's fine to say that ministers should be the best of people, the best morally and the best in terms of intelligence, because... It's literally their job when, when, a, when somebody comes to them and says, this complex ethical situation arose at work and I don't know what to do. It's their job to be so familiar with the scriptures and so familiar with reasoning through matters like this that they can help that person. Or, and, and, and obviously, they're free to ask other pastors for help and they don't have to have every answer on the spot. But a dumb pastor is terrifying. And, and an immoral yeah, pastor is terrifying. I agree with that in principle. For sure. I think I, I also want to say it's not bad to not be called to be a pastor. Yes. No, I compl- just like it's not bad to be a garbage collector. And I also want to say, and I think this maybe is where we part ways at least slightly. Pastors are just exceptional Christians. Like pastors other than able to teach aren't anything that we all shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. A- and certainly they're better at it. But, but I think we also ought to be good Calvinists here and say that they're better at it by God's grace. It's God that makes man to differ. Oh, right? sure. It's God that calls to the pastorate. And I think even though I agree with you that a bad pastor can send someone to hell, ultimately that's not outside the scope of God's sovereignty either, right? So if God wants to save someone, he will use even a donkey or a bad pastor. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. But, but this is where I really appreciate the, the reformed scholastics uh, on distinguishing uh, the different types of causality within metaphysics, because if we just because we say that there's another cause doesn't mean that the the cause that we were just talking about is any less potent or or doesn't exist. Um, so and 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 you did that. Just yes, now. I think you just said God uses means, but in much bigger words. And I agree. See, Ben, <laughs> when he does that, I you're, I'm I'm telling the truth. I honestly checked out with what he just said. <laughs> Oh, I, really? I, See, I, I think I, the Westminster I was looking standards. down the stairs and like thinking about oh the God. grocery store. <laughs> Jim. And you, Jim, Ben, listen to that and summarized it. You are the Baptist he needs. Like you <laughs> hey, should replace thank you so me. much. I, I do want to say too, <laughs> since I'm on your show, David, I think the Westminster standards on primary and secondary causes is spectacular. Mm. I think they've gotten closer than anybody that I've seen. And, and maybe I'm just uneducated on this, but, but certainly than anybody that I've seen. On, on trying to explain how God is sovereign and we are still responsible mm-hmm. with that primary secondary cause thing. I, I just think it's so helpful. What Ben is and talking I'm, about thank is... Thank you. <laughs> thank thank you. I want to thank the Westminster Divines through you. So thank you, David. What did right, ben, I'll pass it on. What did Ben just talk do? What, what did he just do? Tell, do you, tell me. Do you, do you remember? I'm not, I'm not explaining to this to you like you're done, but I did want to say something to you about this. What? what? Uh, do you remember when we had Hold that on, conversation? Ben. I need to talk to David here. Oh, no, this is about David, something on the show. It. No, this don't do this. What? Don't do this. Wait, is it was it a conversation on the show? Yeah. 
Okay, okay, that's fine. Do you remember when we I had thought that? it was Wait just a minute. like Are you last too... Thursday? Remember when we argued about God's sovereignty? Let me explain why Jim you were and I wrong. don't talk except on the show. It's part okay. of the contract. <laughs> All right, uh, that's what really uh, don't. Do you, do you remember that time when we talked about? Uh, oh, what do what? What's the modern term for this? Uh, compatibilists. Mm-hmm. And I said that I think that a yep. lot of compatibilists argue that we can't explain it in this life. And I think that things like right. the Westminster stand, he was just talking about that. Uh, I th- uh, and, yeah. and I do think that he's right that a lot, a lot of people who try to talk about this, not just today, but in it, but throughout history have, they've said things that are true, but they could go further. And then they argue that you can't go any right. further. And I think that the Westminster standards are a really good place to look. If you're looking for somebody who went further and still st- stuck really close to it saying exactly what God's word is saying. So I'm about to expose my chest to the arrows of your attack here. Please don't expose your chest. I know it's the last time it happened. It got really weird. Um, smarter guys. <laughs> How do you guys do that? You guys are so witty with each other. Oh man. It's great. Smarter guys than you, maybe Ben and me have said things like, don't try so hard to explain the metaphysics of compatibilism because it hasn't really been done well or you can't or it's impossible. So, I mean, to what extent do I kind of look at that and just kind of go, huh, well, the Miss Westminster standards explain compatibilism. I mean, can you, I'm not saying they saying? fully explain it. I'm saying they okay. go further than a lot of those guys that you're talking okay. about. Do. That I can accept that I can accept. I think one big difference here is that modern people, uh, that's not a helpful phrase right now. What you mean is people new Calvinists are what, what you mean is new Calvinists. No, 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 no. No, I mean, our peers, people who are alive with us today, um, probably tend to start with mystery. Whereas I think the divines wanted to end in mystery. Hmm. So they wanted to say, how much can we say from God's word? And then where are we unable to say anymore? And we must say this is mysterious because they don't fully explain compatibilism either, but they do, like you said, go much further than anybody else or, or than other people have tried. And for them, I think it's, it's just that reverse perspective and at least in my experience. And for them, knowing when to stop is an ethical issue. Like, like Calvin has argued that if you try to delve too deep into this, there is a point at which not only are you going to make mistakes, but also you are, you're trying to peek behind the, the, the curtain and you're going to die. So here's what you two just did. We are not a theology this show. This is not a theology <laughs> podcast. And we, this we, is literally every conversation Ben broke, and I have. We broke a few rules. We're not a theology podcast, but we break that rule all the time. But this guy graduated seminary. I know. It's just, we can't help it. Um, and, and two, I think we're, we really got off our original <laughs> uh, interview topic. And, uh, and also, will you baptize my children? Oh, <laughs> I think it would be a sin for me to do that. That's, that's good. I like that. Wow. I mean, I don't agree, but I like that you said it. See, you know what he didn't say? That would be inappropriate. I'm not a Presbyterian. I don't think that's right. He said that would be a sin. I like Ben's style. So, David, this is another thing I'd love to Theology Podcast talk to you about. (laughs) Go ahead. I don't care. As a Baptist, I kind of feel like I have to say that baptism, uh, specifically recipients, proper recipients of baptism, is both a matter of conscience and not a matter of conscience. And what I mean by that is... I want you to be able to have your Presbyterian church and do what you think scripture teaches. Wow, this is but awesome. I don't think that I can let you do that in my Baptist church because I think you're sinning against God. Whoa. Did you see what he just did or hear rather? Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a big deal. What do you think about that? <laughs> 
I, I think that. And Ben, you're talking about the issue that we broached last week. It was last week, right? Of Presbyterians sure. going to Baptist churches because of circumstances. Not a lot of uh, Presbyterian churches in the area, but they like this Reformed Baptist church or this Baptist church and they do, or vice versa. And, yep. and I think it was me who said, you know, when is that a problem? <laughs> And uh, you brought up the conscience thing, right? I'm just trying to get our audience in on this yep. fun little conversation. Okay. Right. So, right. Ben, you're saying that let's take this to their logical conclusion, to its logical conclusion and get serious about your claims, right? Y- yes. Well, so Baptists have been the ones who championed religious liberty because we got persecuted oh. and murdered wow. for not being Pato Baptists, See, right? Wow, ben. and also for running naked through grocery you stores and rejecting the government, time. you do that because every- it's a big part of what was happening. That doesn't that doesn't mean you kill them? You do that every time. <laughs> People who reject no, 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 the government, he's a covenant. Granted, granted, running was naked through grocery stores. Yes, granted, oh, marketplaces. That is marketplaces. Granted, that's pretty like bad. <laughs> and also rejecting awful. the idea of government. I mean, the last time I did it, it was Anarchists, really weird, Jim. Anarchists, but like that's like the first thing you mention. In this discussion, the first thing, like, can you think of any other crimes? I mentioned that for that would, for shock that would merit a death sentence. Okay, now I'm getting fired up. <laughs> oh, I love fired look up. What you did. We should see him more so often. Quarrelsome. He did that. He did that. Oh boy. Yeah. See, I just hey, for what it's worth, I went mastered. back and listened to the worst. I went back and listened to the worst fight you guys ever had on flogging, the confessionally woke episode. <laughs> we fought that? Where where David said, "I have a higher view of church than you, Jim." <laughs> <laughs> oh, because oh. I was hoping that would come up because you guys just oh recommended gosh. that people go listen to it on the last episode. Oh man, I forgot that, that was that so we, fun. Uh, <laughs> I forgot that uh, that happened. I, I'm like, I, I recommend that. I started last week with like this list of things now that that is true in my life. <laughs> David has a higher view of church than me. <laughs> I rely on preference. <laughs> he relies on the Bible, and uh, <sighs> we're, we're probably going to address it. We already have addressed it in follow up, um, but uh, but anyways. <laughs> So yeah, what ben, were we talking ben about? just threw threw it down. So he's saying, so he's saying that <laughs> you really got to be. Let's let's pull up. Let's pull up. Let's pull up out of this, and I'm just going to let you guys recenter. Um, <laughs> so to not answer your question, I want to say that charity is an important aspect of of dealing with people who disagree with you, even when you believe that that that's leading to sin. And I hope that that's something that I articulated last week. Yeah. Um, but that that doesn't mean that charity should go on forever for people who will not change despite having despite the fact that you spent a long time. I mean, we all we all would say this about certain sins, right? Like mm-hmm. like the couple that still lives together without being married. Like there's charity initially, yeah. but then at a certain point, it's like church discipline. Yeah. Um, and so. All, all that I want to say is while I would not want to set up a system in which it is possible for people to practice false, uh, false ways of worship, uh, false, mm-hmm. false methods of baptism forever. I would not also tomorrow say Baptist churches are banned mm-hmm. that there, there, there is a, there, there is a, a way to move toward that. There's a, there's a way to, to progressively sanctify a nation. Uh, oh my gosh. Do you guys know what just happened? 
we have been in a slightly heavier form of flogging for the last like 20 minutes. This is amazing. Yeah, this is I good. didn't think I'd make it into one of these. We haven't done an after show in <laughs> Did forever. Did you really not think you were going to make it into one of these? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh my gosh. This is great. I'm delighted. Man, what a joy this has been to be with you I'm gonna guys. Bring us, Even David. I'm going to bring us back to a lighter form of flogging. Jim, you have a question here. I'm going to slightly reframe it. I would like to know, Ben, this is, this is Jim and I, uh, aren't there movies where somebody gets to see what, how their life would have gone if they had done something else? Mm-hmm. Um, what's a movie that does that? Oh, I don't know, but I know what you're it's a wonderful about. life. Does that do that? Uh, I haven't seen it. I think a wonderful life. Yeah. Yeah. Did you call in, yourself a Baptist in the negative? Like I, I yeah. don't, I don't celebrate pagan holidays. <laughs> well, I guess that's good. I'm going to give you another hand clap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um could you talk a little bit about from when you were not thinking you wanted to be a pastor to now how has that process changed you kind of with an eye toward like what could jim and i have expected in another life where we decided to become pastors well for a long time i wasn't a christian and then i became a christian around 21 and about AD? two years after that, people started telling me I should be a pastor. At the time, I think I was getting kind of bad advice because they were basically like, oh, you seem to really like theology and reading God's word and helping other people understand it. You should be a pastor. When I think that's <laughs> kind of more like just what Christians do, especially brand new ones like I was. But I think since then, most of what keeps me going in this is that I continue to have opportunities to preach and teach God's word and people continue to say, you should keep doing this. And I continue to ask, should I keep doing this? Cause I really want to know sooner rather than later, if I should give up on this and go back into web development full time. And they're always like, no, you shouldn't give up. So I, I guess the big difference between us is that external piece of people who know me and know the job continuing to affirm that I'm on the right track, at least for now. Hmm. And um, where I think I might end up more like you guys is if I don't actually do this, maybe it'll become obvious at some point that I shouldn't in similar ways that it did for you, which is something I've thought about since you guys talked about it on the show, actually quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I do want to be cautious of that because I really do. I really am convinced that it'd be better for me and everybody in my life if I gave up on this sooner <laughs> rather than later. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, hopefully that's the case with everybody. I have one more question. I'm sorry. This is mm-hmm. more specifically contrasting you and I because the way that I see it, you and I have a fair amount in common. Are you good with people? Why? Why? Why <laughs> would you? say such an insulting thing. I'm a guest on your podcast. You and I have a lot in common. Come on. Uh, I hope you no, don't have a kidding. lot in common with him. I'm just kidding. Um, am I good with people? You know, I, I don't, I don't mean like, are you a people person or people pleaser? I right. mean, like, are you right. able to have right. conversations with people without them being afraid of you? Yeah, I, I think I can talk to people. Yes. <laughs> My wife tells me I'm good at you it. Guys. Um, see that that's where we're the inverse. <laughs> so, but I will say, David, sometimes I feel like an alien. Like sometimes I feel like, why am I so bad at human interaction sometimes? Mm. And, and usually when I tell my wife about that, she's like, no, that's all in your head. You were great in that, in that interaction or maybe not great, but like, it was fine. It was normal. It was a human thing. And that happens a lot where it's like, I feel like something was awkward there, but it really wasn't. It was just in my head. Mm. Yeah. See, th- this is where we're the inverse because I say that to my wife and she's like, yeah, you should go apologize. 
<laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm funny. kind of joking, but also like I say this to her credit because she's very patient with me and this is a thing that does happen. David, we really need to fix this. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So um, the, m- the main reason I ask that is because I feel like people in tech have this problem, like the problem that you just described of being at least a little bit awkward, like people who work in tech, it's just like, it's a common trope. We're the nerds, we're the geeks, we're the, we're the people who have difficulty with social yeah. interactions. You've never struck me right. as a techie guy, Ben, not that you don't know about tech, but like well, you have the ability to like shed it and, you know, interact with other warm yeah. blooded people or cold. I think that's because I was in a fraternity in Lizards? college. Wow. Really? What college? Never mind. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad we fixed that. I'm glad we established that Ben can indeed talk to other people. And how I can get there. Right. I just want to say to you guys, my encouragement to you is to keep doing what you're doing such a good job of. Be a part of a local church. Help other people follow Jesus. Indeed. Disciple other people. Well, thank you, Ben. That was encouraging. Um, I hope all of us. By the way, I did uh, find a place. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Never mind. This will be in follow up. For, for you, it was encouraging, Jim. For, for David, he was like, no, I disagree with everything you just said. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I also normal. really enjoyed it and found it encouraging, too. Awesome. Well, oh, we, should, uh, we should end this. We should kill the animal as it's dying so we can not let it suffer anymore. Um, and uh, Jim has the most beautiful metaphors. D- d- ben, this was a, an audition for you to, uh, to, to, to maybe guest host someday. And I think, uh, oh, man. I think that would be great so that I can listen to you guys argue. But yeah, it, we'd have, he keeps talking we'd have to you. drop the not a theology podcast moniker. We'll do it just for one week. <laughs> Pretty quick. Uh, but this is great. So uh, we're going to we're going to go ahead and part ways better for it. I think I feel emotionally enriched, mentally enriched. Thank you guys for having me. I know all the marketing's a joke about how bad the show is. It's actually really good and I enjoy it. So thanks for making it. Keep up the good. We're going to bleep all of that. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> all right. Thank you. All right. And if you guys would like to talk to Ben, he will be in the Slack, in the flogging channel, also ready to uh, respond to, uh, I don't know, anything you want to tell him, ask him. Yep. An invitation. Will yeah. Chris Ragsdale is going to come after me on this one. Well, he's, he's next. Um, anyways. Yeah. The, we should do a flogging show with Ben and Chris Ragsdale. <laughs> that would be great. All four of us. Uh, uh, awesome. Well, very good. Thanks, Ben. Bye, Ben. Well, that was a thing that happened. That was a, th- a thing. It the, did happen. The story of what we just played is okay. that we just played it and it is over. Any other takeaways from what just happened? Yeah, I would actually like to I'm address dizzy. all I'm, the things that I Ben said dizzy. that I disagreed with. Okay. Right now. Is that right, okay? Right now, one at a time. You're going to speak slowly, right? So when he said hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm glad we could give that gift to Ben and thus to us and then uh, uh, thusly to our audience. I hope they all enjoyed our little chat, our little chit chat with Ben. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of fun. We are here from the future Uh, uh, after the past. Right. Uh, But it's worth noting that this happened not only before the segment that you just heard, but also after the segment that you heard before that segment. Uh, Indeed. I, I, I... And now we're going to replay the music, which yeah. was recorded before any of that. We get the privilege of ending the show, uh, which is which is a, a joy I look forward to. We just uh, need to end the show. We just need to end the show. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to end the show. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. See you in two weeks. Mm, mm, two weeks. Won't someone save me from this podcast? Is it over or just dragging along? Will these two guys talk?
Just have 